Hey guys, this is Brett. I'm the lead pastor at Engage City Church right here in Spruce Grove, Alberta, Canada. Thanks for taking some time out of your schedule to listen. We love you and we hope you enjoy this. This is a message called Kingdom Come. One, if you're ready, say, I'm ready. Okay, we're gonna try that one more time because we are not halfway there. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Okay, not there yet. Colossians 1 verse 16, for through him God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. Ephesians 6, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. There is a world that is seen, and there is a world that is unseen, that we cannot see. There is the natural, very tangible realm right here. And there's a spiritual realm. It's unseen. This is the behind the scenes footage that the Bible is giving us a glimpse to that makes this world go around. There's principalities and powers of of, of darkness and there's principalities and powers of good. The great news is that Jesus is king over all of them. And to make it through this life, to make it through our day-to-day struggle or battle, or maybe you just feel like you're dancing through life, Jesus has given us a specific set of tools and weapons to help us succeed in this life, to conquer what feels like the principalities and what is the principalities and powers of darkness. So we've been talking a little bit about these tools. The last couple of weeks, we started talking about prayer. And then when last week, we moved into talking about praise. So if you have not listened to those, feel free to head over to iTunes or SoundCloud and take a listen to those. But I want to continue to unpack this idea of prayer. Now, prayer is the subject that, that every time I get up and speak, uh, uh, I feel like the entire room kind of collectively rolls their eyes a little bit. And if they don't do it on the outside, they do it on the inside because it's the one thing that you, you, we, we think we know about, but we never do. You know, it's like, we're just like, yeah, no, I should totally do that. It's like going to the gym. You know you should do it. You feel like maybe you'll feel good after, even though I think that's a lie. And then, you know, you're like, ah, yeah, we should probably pray. And then we talk about prayer in the church like, oh, I know, I know. Well, if I know, how come we're not better at it and how come we're not seeing more results? right? Okay, you got real quiet in here, so I must be on the right path, because this is the one thing that seems like a mystery. We have so many questions around this, because if I pray for something, and if I don't see the immediate payoff to the thing that I asked for, does that mean it's not working? These are questions. We go, well, if it doesn't happen on my time and my schedule, does that mean that God isn't listening to me, that it's not working, it's not getting through, that he can't hear me? We, we end up what sometimes it feels like with more questions than we have answers, and, and prayer is supposed to give us answers, so why is that? Well, to address this, Jesus gave us a template, a guideline, a model to follow. It's what I would call the third most famous uh, portion of Scripture. The first most famous is John 3.16, you know, made famous by Forever 21 on the bottom of their bags, in and out Burger, bottom of the cups, Tim Tebow, Tebowing, John 3.16, Every football game ever. Then the Lord's, uh, sorry, uh, Psalm 23, Lord's my shepherd. Number two, most popular Bible verse of all time. Number three, Lord's prayer. And he gave us this template. Now, 
just before he gave us this template, Jesus said, there's two things that prayer is not. Number one, prayer is not you standing on the street corner, yelling at the top of your lungs, showing everyone how spiritual you are by having very spiritual language that means nothing and just saying it loud so everyone can look at you because that then is your reward. The fact that everyone's looking at you and thinks you're spiritual, that's, that's all you're getting out of that. Jesus said, that's not what prayer is about. He also said, prayer is not just a formula that's made up of repetitious statements that we say over and over and over and over again, hoping to get a different result. In fact, I think some people would say that if you did the same thing over and over and over and over again and expected different results, some may think that you're insane. So prayer is not any one of those things. Prayer is not just this magic sweet spot that if I say this first, say this word, say this seven times, then boom, something happens and something changes because if it worked like that, then there would be no need for us to have any relationship with Jesus because we would just be enacting principles. But the whole purpose of prayer is to open up a conversation with our Heavenly Father. That's why Jesus started this outline, this guideline, not by saying these are the exact words to say, but saying this is a template and this is something that you can use to guide your own personal conversation. This is what he says, Matthew 6, verse 9. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You're like, I think we moved past this last time. We did, but we're going to start with the first two words of that second line our Father. Now, in Scripture, before this moment ever happened, the idea of God being the Father only occurred 15 times in the entire Old Testament. That is not high when you think about the, vo- the bulk of the volume of the Bible. It happens in the first chunk of the Old Testament. Only 15 times. And when you start to look at those 15 times, you'll see that when the phrase or the, or the word is used that, that acknowledges God as father, it actually comes back to be more of an authoritarian figure that says he's the father of all things, the father of the universe, and more uh, in this authoritarian type of perspective, kind of maybe the way that you and I have grown to know God. The idea of there's this big angry man with a big white beard, probably reaching across the universe, pointing a finger, you know, do, <laughs> those are weird paintings, and we're like, that's, that's him. He's angry, he's old, and he's grumpy, and his beard is tremendous. That's how we think of God. But Jesus said, no, no, don't think of him as somewhere that's far off. Don't think of him as a person in the clouds, sitting, lounging, going through a gift basket full of prayers that maybe one day he'll get to. Think of him as this, our father meaning your father, familial, a real person, a close connection. When you think about prayer, it's not us spitting words into a cloud. It's actually us sitting down at the kitchen table having a conversation with our dad. Now, in my house, things have really gone to an extreme because my five-year-old, and my three-year-old, and my wife, when any, anything breaks in our house or anything needs to be fixed or repaired, uh, nobody comes to me. Now, that is probably a wise decision, but literally, Kingston, my three-year-old, broke a toy. He comes up to me. He says, Dad, I broke whatever is the train, Percy. I'm like, okay, buddy. He's like, call Papa. (laughs) Okay, well, call my dad then. (laughs) Dad, don't fix it. Call your dad. He can fix things. Okay. Literally, we're hanging a picture in the house. Everett, the five-year-old, comes up to me. The five-year-old, he's the only one. Uh, Comes up to me. He goes, hey, Dad, we're hanging a picture. Should we call Papa? Should we? (laughs) 
Listen, son, no, we do not need to call your grandfather. Yes, my eye is perfect. No, I do not need a measuring tape, and I can manage to hang this in perfection. And if you don't think so, you're just not looking at it the right way. That's just, that's just how it works. So in my house, when I need something, the honest truth is I do call my dad, which is why they call their dad, because I cannot fix anything. I can't. I can't build. I can't fix. And it's not because I've tried. It's because I've tried and failed so many times that it is now confirmed that I cannot <laughs> fix or build anything. I will destroy things long before I ever make it better. I can paint it to hide it, though. So that is, that is one thing. That is one thing. So it's escalated because they, my sons watch me call my dad every time we need to fill, uh, fix something or build something we call Papa. It's what we do in our house. Why? Because he always knows the part that I need. He just knows. He also annoyingly always calls me to remind me to register my vehicles. <laughs> same last name, right? Same month. He's like, so uh, it's always casual. Like, what are you doing? Uh, not much. Did you register your vehicles yet? You know, end of the month, and uh, they don't send the reminders anymore. No, not yet. I've got literally an entire month to do this, and I'm literally late every month, even though he phones me and reminds me. But now I've started anticipating it, and now I start trying to register early to anticipate the call. So I'm like, yeah, totally. And you didn't tell me to do that. In fact, it's, but it's been burned in my brain so many times. He also calls me to remind me to change my furnace filter. And if you didn't know that you needed to change your furnace filter, you need to go to Home Depot right now and go change your furnace filter. If you didn't know that was a thing that you need to do regularly, I know that it's a thing because my dad tells me it's a thing because he knows what I need before I need it. That's why Jesus says, don't be like them in Matthew 6, 8, for your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. That's how Jesus leads us into this prayer. Don't pray with, with, with making a big deal in public. Don't, don't pray to, to pump yourself up. Don't pray in babble and repetitious formulas. Go to your father, but know that your father knows what you need before you ask him. And then when you pray, say, our father, meaning my dad, I need you. That's how we pray. That's how we start. You know, you've ever wondered why we start with singing in church? It's because that prayer says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed means your name is holy. It means that we worship and we praise him. Psalm 104 says we enter his gates with thanksgiving. We enter his courts with praise. So when we come into church, we start by entering his courts. We come into his presence. We draw close to Jesus by worshiping him, by praising him. That's why we start that way. That's why he says, listen, if you want to get close to me, if you want to know what it's like to get close to me, then all you need to do is say, our Father in heaven, my dad. Thank you. Thank you. I love you so much. Thank you. That's how, that's how he invites us to start our conversation. Hey, Dad, I love you. Thank you. <laughs> the way we think of God as we pray to him is very important. In prayer, we should remember that he is a loving father who will respond as such to his children. Now, that wasn't me. That's a guy named Dr. Constable who's much smarter than me. When we pray, how we pray, how we perceive God is very important. Because if we just think of God as a magical genie in the sky who will hopefully answer our prayers if we stumble upon it the right way, then the way that we approach all of this is like it's a gamble. Like it doesn't matter because it's a game of chance. But what if it wasn't a game of chance? What if it was just an ongoing conversation that day by day, moment by moment, did not stop? When you were talking to your dad, not a cosmic genie, but your dad who already knows what you need, who already has 
the right advice, who is already ready to speak into your situation, not because he's surprised by it, but he already knows it. Could you imagine what your prayer life, what your personal life, what your marriage, could you imagine what your relationship with your kids would be like if you entered the idea of prayer knowing that you have a heavenly father who knows so much about you, who loves you so much that he already knows what you need before you even know that you need it yourself? That changes everything because it's all of a sudden a personal connection. It's not ethereal. It's not far away. It's right here, right now. Dad, I love you. Thank you. Hey, I need to talk to you about something. I need to talk to you about something. I need to talk to you about something. Then Jesus leads us to this phrase in verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will come. Be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, growing up, anytime my dad wanted to have a serious conversation with us, it always happened around the supper table. Generally at the end of supper, and just before you're about to stand up, he would utter the phrase, hey, I want to talk to you about something. With which you sit back down, slink into your chair, and buckle up, buttercup, because here it comes. So a good friend of mine, Jeremy, who speaks here often, Jeremy Wolfram, uh, used to live with us. Before he lived with us, because his girlfriend lived down the road while he was in Bible college, he would occasionally crash at our house. And by occasionally crash at our house, I mean like three to four days a week, I would sneak him in the house past 1 a.m. and let him in, and then he would sneak out or hang out, and we would hope that they wouldn't notice all that often as young, silly people do, not knowing that their parents know everything anyways. So why even bother? Because they know what you want or need before you even think of it. And Jeremy was over for supper one night, and we've just finished up. We're about to stand up and push back our chairs, and my dad says, Jeremy, I want to talk to you about something. So I stood up. I'm getting out. Like, (laughs) I'm out. And he's like, sit down. And I'm like, oh, good. And he says, hey, Jeremy's smiling at this point. He says, hey, how much longer are you going to keep sneaking in and out of the house? And his face went from to, <laughs> like, uh-oh, caught, nailed it. <laughs> and he's like, uh, he's like, don't say anything. Okay, good, good, this is going well. He says, this, this stops now. And Jeremy's like, uh okay, uh, you know, stammering, stuttering. I'm like, it's one thing to get a talking to from your own dad, but to somebody else's dad while you're in college is like a whole different thing. But it got real serious real fast, and I'm like scraping my plate to see if there's anything else that's on it, just so I don't have to look up and make eye contact with anyone at the table. And my dad says, hey. I'm like, oh, boy. Here's your key. You're moving in. And his face changed and the whole conversation changed because you see our my dad knows what we need before we even know that we need it 
And the same thing is true about our Heavenly Father. Now, I'm, happy, I'm not happy. I'm, I am uh, ob- obligated to mention that not everybody has had the same experience that I've had. Not everybody has had the kind of dad that I've had. And that can color and it can taint things when we say these words like our heavenly father. Because we go, listen, I don't like my dad. I don't want to know my dad. My dad is a jerk. My dad doesn't care about me. He's selfish or I never knew him at all. And that changes things because we don't know how to handle this kind of dad because we don't have a dad. The only thing that I can say to you today is I'm sorry that that's your experience. But I can tell you that your heavenly father is not. Nothing like your earthly father. In fact, your heavenly father is all the things you've been asking and praying about. That is who he is, and that's who he wants to become in your life. So you, don't, you might have not have had these kitchen conversations across the table, but you can now because prayer is nothing more than a, a conversation across the kitchen table with our dad. That's what prayer is. Our father in heaven, thank you. We love you. Hey, can I talk to you about something? Can I talk to you about something? That's what prayer is. Prayer is this conversation that opens me up to him. It gets me into alignment with him. It gets us on the same page. It opens up the lines of communication. There's three things or three kind of areas that I put underneath this subtitle of a kitchen table conversation. And the first thing that Jesus, I think, wants to get across to us or Scripture wants to convey to us today Sounds like this. If you live under this roof, anyone's dad ever say that to him before? If you live under this roof, Psalm 103, verse 19. If you live under this roof, you need to understand that the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Psalm 103, 19. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. When you're having this kitchen conversation and your heavenly father says, if you live under this roof, what he means is, listen, you live under my roof because I made this roof. I made the stars. I made this planet. I made the solar system. I made this whole thing. And if I made it, that means I'm in charge of it. And if I'm in charge of it and you ask me to do something in it, it means I actually have the ability to do it. Why? Because I own it. Because I made it. Jesus wants you to know today that he has the authority to do what you weren't sure that he had the authority to do. He made it. He established it. He sits on a throne over all of it. So we're not asking some intermediary. We're not asking some other person. We're going to the boss man. We're going to the big man. Our daddy is rich. He owns it and he controls it. So when you talk to him, you're not talking to somebody who might be able to figure something out to maybe make it work one day. You're talking to the person who knows what it means to make it work because he speaks and it works. That's who he is. That's how we approach prayer. We don't approach prayer as a blind beggar that says, maybe one day if I just say the right thing, sometimes I'll get the right answer. Maybe if I could just reach out and touch somebody. No, we come to our dad and we say, hey, dad, you own everything and I'm in need of something. And he says, if you live under this roof, it's possible because all things are possible through me more than you could ever ask, hope, or imagine, or dream. That changes the way we come into the conversation because now we know that it's possible. Before, we were just kind of wondering if we dabbled, maybe something might happen. No, 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 no. He is large and he is in charge. And that's also why we start by thanking him because when he's the boss and he owns everything, including the breath that's in my lungs, then we say, hey, thank you for letting me breathe right now. It's a gift. If you live under this 
roof. The second conversation that we have with our dad is, hey, dad, how do you think I should handle this? In other words, known as your kingdom come, your will be done. Hey, dad, how do you think I should handle this? I'm in this situation. I'm kind of stuck. How do you think I should take care of it? James 1 verse 5 says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. Notice what it does not say. If you need wisdom, beg and plead. And if you're lucky on the right day at the right time, he might give you a little drop. He didn't say that. He said, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He did not say, crawl on your hands and knees, whimper like a dog, and maybe he'll throw you some scraps from the table. He just simply said, if you need it, ask for it, and he'll give it to you. If you need wisdom, if you need advice, ask for it. He, he just wants to give it to you. But our main problem is that we don't ever ask for it because we feel like we need to figure it all out ourselves. And then maybe if we just have time and it's not working, we'll ask him. You know, all we can do now is pray. No, why don't we start, hey, God, how do you think I should handle this situation? Because you said that you own this roof. You're large. You're in charge. And if I ask for wisdom from you, then you will give it to me. You're just going to give it to me for free. You're just going to give it to me because I asked. Hey, Dad, how do you think I should handle this? Which leads us to the next question on earth as it is in heaven. Hey, Dad, how do I do this your way? How do I do this your way? We've all got plans. We've all got ideas. We've got strategies. We've got thoughts on how we should move forward. And God generally has a different way of going about things than you and I do. This is what it says in 1 Corinthians, and you're probably not going to like it. Instead, God chose the things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and he used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. Hey, God, how do you think... I should handle this. How do you think I should handle this? Oftentimes when we ask this question, how do I do this your way? We come in with a preconceived set of expectations and ideas about how this should play out. Hey God, how do I do this your way? And by your way, I mean this is what I want it to happen this is who I want it to happen with, and this is how much money I want to have by the when it's all said and done. And he kind of looks at us, knowing that he owns this roof, knowing that he already gave you advice on how you should handle this, and then asking him, hey, how do I, want it? How do, I do this your way? You've now superimposed your way on him, so he knows that no matter what he's about to say, he's about to disappoint you because you've already made up your mind. So I wonder 
if it is possible that we've actually been choking out the very provision of God that we've been asking for because we come to him with a set of preconceived ideas and a playbook and a list of all the things that we want and how it should happen and when it should happen. And we come to him and say, hey, God, how do I do this your way? And by your way, I mean my way. Go, make it happen. And then we get so frustrated when we start getting answers back that don't line up with the way that we just pre-prescribed he should do it when we asked him how to do it his way. I mean, if your kid came up to you and did the exact same thing and said, hey, Dad, I just need some advice. You know, I want to mow the lawn with all the lines really proper the right way, which I don't know how to do, so we'll call my dad. Um, But he said, hey, how do I do this? And then proceeded to tell you the way that you should do it. You would look at him and say, just go do whatever you want to do. Go away. Leave me alone. Because you know that you can't break through to that person. Have you ever met that person that's got every answer to every question ever? Have you ever met that person? And you, like, ask them a question and they just give you every answer, and then they ask you a question, and then they give you the answer to their question, you're like, how does, why did you even ask me this question? I think you just asked me this question so you could hear yourself answer your own question, and that's a very confusing way to have a conversation. But in fact, it is the way most of us approach prayer. Hey, God, how do I do this your way? And by the way, I need to be married by this age. Because if I'm not, I'm a failure in life. By the way, I need to have this net worth. By the way, I need to have this car or this house. And by the way, I also need to have a promotion because I'm always in need of a promotion because I'm never satisfied because I've never found my identity in you, so I find my identity in my place at work. Oh, that got a little personal. Hey, God, how do I do it your way? On earth as it is in heaven. You know how it works in heaven? That's why this phrase is so incredible. On earth as it is in heaven. In heaven... The main difference is angels listen. That's it. God speaks. Angels listen. You know how it works on earth? God speaks. We politely decline until it's more convenient. God on earth as it is in heaven. How do we do this? When we ask the questions, we mean it. We leave time and space in our conversations with God. I don't know how you pray, and I'm hoping that we can kind of frame this out a little bit, not by making it ritualistic, by making it relational. I'm hoping that this is helpful in giving you a bit of a guideline. You guys can just walk right up on the stage. Uh, By giving you a guideline, but what I'm hoping is that you would also understand that in the midst of this thing called prayer, these kitchen table conversations, that these are two-way streets. So when we ask God a question... Our Heavenly Father, we need to leave time for Him to respond. When was the last time you prayed and then made time to listen for the response? Because you can ask questions over and over and over again, but if you don't hear the ears to hear nor the time, to hear it, is it possible that you've been missing the answer all along simply because you talked right through it? So when Jesus gives us this 
guide. He invites us into a conversation, a dialogue, a two-way street. And what he prepares us for by saying that God chooses the foolish things is he prepares us for a long string of answers that we don't like. Because we've got a plan and we've got a strategy and we've got a way and we're just hoping God will come into alignment with us. But the whole purpose of this prayer is that we would come into alignment with him. And so he says some things that seem out of order and he says some things that don't seem to make sense. But remember, he already knows what you need before you've already asked. He already knows the right outcome. He already knows the right direction. So though the instructions come back or the answer comes back and at times we're like, I don't know how it's all going to work. Guess what? The guy who gave the advice does know how it's all going to work. And it's possible that if he told you that you would just run away from it. We just go, no, 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 I don't want that. Do you know how I know that this is true? It's because it's the story of my life and it's the story of our church. This fall, we're launching a Stony Plain location, which is super exciting to the one person in this second row. But I didn't want to go there ever. Jesse and I have had this conversation many times. We're like, man, no, not there. Anywhere but there. It's different. You know, we chose Spruce Grove for a reason. We don't want Stony Plain. Why do we want to go there? It's a different place. It's a different town. People think differently. It's a different mindset. It's a different way. And yet, God knew that I would say no. And so in his divine sovereignty, He wove together a storyline like no other (laughs) that led us around and down and up and down and back around again until the only answer that made sense was going to the one place that I just did not want to go. Why? Because if he would have told me in advance, I just would have said no, 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 no. I think you're getting the idea. There's an ebb and a flow to the storyline of your life, the narrative of your life. And when you pray and you do not get the answer that you are anticipating, just understand that your heavenly father already knows what you need before you even asked. He's got the outcome. He's got the destination. It's better that you could, than you could have ever asked, imagined, hoped, or dreamed. And just like any other relationship that is meaningful, you're going to have to trust him. You're going to have to trust him. But if you're willing to take that step and just follow him, come on, say it with me, one step at a time. If you're willing to move in that direction and you're willing to have these conversations, you will go places do things. You will see relationships restore. You will see bodies healed. You will see lives changed. And you will see your perspective on the entire world transformed from the inside out. If you would have these conversations with your dad, understand that he's in charge, that he can make it happen, that he's listening and he's responding, and even if he's giving you the answer that you don't want, guess what? He still answered you. So 
He's just proving that he's listening. God never answers my prayer. No, it's possible that you say that just because God never answers the prayer the way you want it to be answered. (laughs) But we got to trust him. He knows what's best. Daddy knows best. And in this case, unlike our natural dads who are fallible and can make mistakes, in this case, our dad is the father, the creator of the universe, our heavenly father, who literally, with one word and one breath, spoke this universe into existence. Why wouldn't I want to have a conversation with him? 